Alrighty, good morning everybody. Hope you got a big old cup of coffee like me because it is much needed on this dreary Tuesday morning. Uh, yeah, so start things off. We're going to be talking about Cardano, jump into some Tezos, and then switch over to Kyber, and then we'll get into the other seven. As always, links to all the articles discussed are in the description, so pop down there if you want to learn more about anything we're talking about, or I scroll too fast for you. All right, so Cardano, it's defiant. It is defiant. Ooh. As many of you have probably noticed, the markets have been a little down, just a little bit, but Cardano is not. The time this dude wrote it, Cardano's trading at 3.5% above its current price. Ooh. And this marks a notable climb from the daily lows of 8.1 cents that it set early in the morning. It's now sitting at 8.5. Uh, it did drop into the sevens before buyers were able to step up, you know, when everything uh, kind of sagged over the weekend and into Monday. But the thing is with that, and we're going to jump into uh, the next article here in a second, is Cardano's got some good stuff coming up. So even though as we talked about in previous days, it was showing technical issues from a technical analysis standpoint. The real world things going on around the technical analysis has led to an increase, and it's looking to test its year-to-date highs of just shy of nine cents. I'm hoping it can break that because I would love for Cardano to get into the teens in terms of pennies, so 13, 14, 18. 19, you know, something like that, uh, before it hits the main net, which should be happening in mid-August. But yeah, they got a lot of blah, blah, blah. It's currently 11th. Uh, Crypto.com's token, and it keeps swapping spots, so it might be 10th now. Lord only knows. But yeah, so I believe this guy was inspired to write this article because of this one. So, um... I read this article, I have not watched the interview yet, so I don't know if he actually says this, but the title of the article is that it's code bases on par with NASA and SpaceX, which, okay, dude. Uh, and then here we go, Hoskinson explains that Cardano has the best code ever written in the history of computer science, which, if he did make that assertion, uh, it's mighty bold of you. It's mighty, mighty bold of you, Chuck, but who knows? So, yeah, he... They did this interview and he talks about, you know, what their goals are and how Bitcoin, Ethereum, Birth, Cardano. You know, and he, you know, he talks about Bitcoin a lot. He's like, the problem with Bitcoin is that it's very simplistic in what it can do. Not a criticism. It's a design feature. You know, he's like, Bitcoin's this proof of concept. People didn't know if it could be done or couldn't. And they put Bitcoin out as an experiment, which we all know led to massive success which then led to Ethereum to regulate assets, do more complex things like the smart contracts and stuff like that. Um, but according to Hoskinson, Ethereum is very difficult to exchange data with external systems and scale. You know, and this limitation has, among other things, according to him, led to Cardano. He wanted to buttle, buttle, buddle, <laughs> Jesus, bundle these three things together, the interoperability, ability of Bitcoin and the scalability and sustainability that Ethereum was lacking. So kind of like take all these different concepts, bring in them into one, bam. So there we go. Hoskins summarized that Cardano is moving 
forward faster than any other project and has the best code in the world based on quality standards of NASA or SpaceX. I guess he did say it, which, all right, man, um, this dude's out here spitting fire, so I'm hoping he's got the, uh, the receipts to back it up, because if that's the case, we are going to be looking at a dollar Cardano here in the next year or two, which would be insane. Um, I'm incredibly bullish on Cardano. I own Cardano, obviously. This is all entertainment. Do not invest in Cardano because I'm talking about it. Do your own research. Look into things for yourself. Listen to multiple different YouTubers talk about it. Read a lot of different articles written by people way smarter than any YouTuber you're going to hear talk about it. Um, check out its community. Check out the real world use cases and all that stuff. Don't just rush into something. Always take a couple days and sit on it. You don't want that FOMO to make you invest into something you'll later regret. But yeah, no, right off the bat, two things back to back about Cardano. But hey, let's hop over to uh, the other staking coin, Tezos. And there's a couple other staking coins I'm aware. But so Tezos, lucky for them, uh, they did a 25 million class action lawsuit settlement so they can avoid any SEC action. So basically, Tezos was in a little bit of hot water for their 2017 uh, ICO, just like a lot of other people. Uh, Securities and Exchange Commission here in the U.S. came down hard on them, um, talking about how they may or may not be unlicensed securities offerings, and all this back and forth. So basically what it boils down to is, according to the Tezos Foundation, they chose to settle all claims because they believe it's in the best interest of the project and the community, the foundation continues to believe the lawsuits were meritless and deny any wrongdoing, but lawsuits are expensive and time-consuming, and they decided it was a better use of their time to negotiate a one-time settlement than spend the next three years fighting things out into court where they may win or they may lose. Hey, I agree. The SEC gets to give them a little slap on the wrist, they pay a little fine, and they can move on to what they want to do and focus on its mission to support the long-term success of the Tezos protocol and ecosystem. Cool, I get it. It makes sense. This is honestly why a lot of businesses settle. The SEC likes it because they don't have to spend money on a trial and they get a nice little payout. And the companies like it because they don't have to spend money on a trial. <laughs> That's really all it is. No one wants to spend money on lawyers, unless you are a lawyer. And even then, you don't want to spend money on a different lawyer. So, eh. But, yeah. So, you know, it puts an end to all these class action lawsuits, and it'll prevent any further enforcement action. They get a little qualified immunity because they already paid for their time. So, yeah. That's not bad. It will be a lesser evil for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The foundation holds, like, 635 million assets. Yeah, I'd pay 25 million to not have to risk the other 600. Like, duh. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing out there, but yeah. So, in case you didn't know, ICOs around in 2017, initial coin offerings, you could buy into them and you got coins before they went live, which is similar to how securities are bought and sold traditionally. So the SEC came down and really went, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. You guys can't be doing this. You're not licensed securities, and the requirements to be a licensed security are way ridiculously high, and a lot of projects wouldn't have been able to do that anyways. 
But yeah, you know, we talked about um, Telegram yesterday with something really similar. They paid out their thing. They got to refund their investors and do yada, yada, yada. Tezos is an existing system, an existing protocol. It's a top 20 crypto for crying out loud. They're not going to risk that to maybe win. I, it's just not worth it to them. And I, I get that. So yeah, there's your Tezos news for the day. Uh, hopping on over, good old Kyber Network. So... <clears throat> oh, excuse me. So on-chain liquidity pr protocol Kyber announced uh, yesterday that a major upgrade of the Catalyst protocol is going live on July 7th. Hey, good for them. I think they're actually, they shot up pretty high on the day. Like this news is a pretty good deal. Um, so they're looking to release their Catalyst. So the Catalyst aims to reduce friction and low in liquidity contributions, introduce rebates for high-performing reserves, and allow decentralized apps to integrate with the Kyber network by adding a custom spread. Not too bad. Um, it also includes the launch of Kyber DAO, which is a platform that can let key KNC uh, token holders participate in governments. Oh, okay, look at that. They're making it a little bit more spread out. I, I like the governance idea behind it. It's pretty cool. No. Yeah, the upgrade in DAO will support three key groups, stakeholders, uh, the reserves who provide liquidity, dApps who connect takers to the Kyber protocol, and KNC holders who form the heart of the network. Hmm, cool. So look at that. They're looking to increase the number of options, and they're like, oh yeah, we got stuff coming down the pipeline. So um, I've heard a little bit about Kyber here and there. I will admit I don't have a huge, huge knowledge base behind it, just because... It's only started popping up pretty recently, but it looks like they're doing some pretty good things. And coordinating with dApps and DeFi is, seems to be the winning move right now. We'll see if it turns into a real thing or if this is just a flash in the pan fad. If that's the case, I hope Kyber can adjust, but eh, we'll see. But moving on, we got to talk about some leet hackers. So a hacker steals balancer's comp allowance in a second attack within 20 for hours. Though the second sum isn't as large, they did get away with uh, a half a million dollar attack, and less than 24 hours later, they think they came back and got another 2,500, which, uh, that's a lot of risk is that for a hacker. I mean, whatever. So, yeah, this was a pretty complex hack. They used flash loans, so they loaned more than 33 million that was used to generate these tokens, which represented ownership. They didn't transfer the tokens to the balancer pool. It triggered compound into distributing the comp accrued by the pool. You know, it then forced balancer to update the pool's balance, which at this point included all of the flash loaned money. The system believed that the hacker was entitled to it, and despite not having in, held any money. So they did this twice according to this engineer, Mr. Howe, over at D-Bank. You know, he fooled Balancer System into thinking he was owed comp when he wasn't, and then he converted it to Ethereum and made off with it. Well, $2,300, but it's very similar to a loss from earlier that day, so it's looking like some dude came back and double-dipped, which is crazy to me. You made it, you did it, you hacked get the hell out of there uh, but greed also don't hack things like 
it's not worth it. You're literally, for half a million dollars, you're going to be looking over your shoulder for the rest of your life. The toll it will take on your mental state is not worth $500,000, when if you're this smart, you probably could have figured out a way to make it legitimately. But I digress. Alrighty, jumping over to number six, I believe, or is it five? Oh god, I need more coffee. So, oh yeah, Iota. It's talking release of its Coordicide. We talked about Coordicide earlier this, you know, this past week. Um, but they're doing it in three phases. They're calling it pollen, nectar, and honey. Which, I mean, that's the three stages once a, a bee um, does things. So, I mean, it makes sense. They have these weird naming um, things. Looks like the last time it was hornet, bee, and honeycomb. So, yeah. <laughs> so, pollen is going to be its first step. Um, they're planning on paving the way for IOTA 2.0 with this, and we're probably going to look at it sometime towards the end of this year. So, pollen is the first official test uh, for 2.0 with significant changes compared to the you know, alpha version, and it's going to be looking to transform it to the final feature release candidate for 2.0. It'll probably pollen network will be a research testbed for the foundation, the community, and external researchers to validate the concepts. And then they'll move into nectar, <clears throat> which should come out in the second half of this year, and it'll contain like the baseline corticide stuff. It'll be an it'll be the test net with an incentive system. Hmm. So if you got yourself some iota, there you go. You got a little little test net coming up. Might be worthwhile looking into for you guys. If you already hold it, I would not invest purely for the test net. But if you're already a holder and you can qualify, it might be worthwhile for you. And then honey, which will be the final release candidate, will contain all the modules according to Cordicide's complete and final specifications. So at this point, they're hoping the network will have been battle tested and secured through hundreds of hours of testings and full audits, and they consider IOTA or they consider Honey to be the first version of IOTA 2.0, which will be their fully decentralized mainnet. Props to you guys. Good for you. Um, IOTA, specifically their Tangle, has gotten a lot of press over the years, and I've heard a lot of good things about it. I do not own any IOTA, but if you do, I think you made a smart move. Me personally, I try to invest in three or four projects. I don't like to spread myself out too thin. But at the same time, people with more skills than me, they may they may feel comfortable doing a lot more. So if you got IOTA, good for you. But hey, uh, altcoin season on Wall Street, old crypto potato. I love me some crypto potatoes. Um, yeah, so Wirecard's stock price has had a bit of a roller coaster. If you've been living under a rock, uh, Wirecard supplies debit cards for Crypto.com and 10x, at least in Europe, and they couldn't find like $2 billion. At this point, we're pretty sure it never existed. Whoever audited Crypto.com, I think it was Ernst & Young, never actually checked checked they just looked at the books and apparently didn't verify anything which is ridiculous to me but hey <laughs> you know so yeah they had to file for insolvency and then it looked like they were going into liquidation and there was all this stuff so it looks like on the 26th 
it bottomed at slightly over one euro a share, then it jumped up to four euro, and then yesterday, UK regulator lifted its suspension on the Wirecard UK, and the firm has been able to resume some activities. It's jumped back up to about nine bucks, when I believe this thing was sitting in like the 20s or the 30s. So it remains to be seen what's gonna actually happen with Wirecard. Definitely my confidence in this company would be shaken. But I mean, the only reason we're talking about it is because it relates with Crypto.com. And Crypto.com has two different coins in the top 100, um, CRO and MCO. So yeah, this company, uh, they have their fingers in a lot of different pies and they reach too far, much like Icarus and the wax melted and they plunged into the sea and it remains to be seen if they will be able to survive all right but moving on from the depressing news we got some good stuff the altona testnet altuna altona altera the testnet for ethereum 2.0 has successfully launched Woo! Uh, four different clients so if it's successful another testnet will be launched and then they'll deploy ethereum 2.0 We'll see how long these testnets run for, but it is actually showing some progress towards Ethereum 2.0, finally. I know we talked about this uh, a few days ago, but yeah, but Danny Ryan has been the one, like, really putting things out here, at least according to Crypto Newsflash. But yeah, it, Altona Tuna will have the specifications of the Ethereum 2.0 mainnet, and it'll differ from Topaz and Onyx testnets because it's a multi-client. Um, and then the Shalisi testnet, wow, 50% Lighthouse and 50% Prism, and Witty because it'll be the first deployed with four clients. So basically, they're trying to test it in a real, as close to a real world scenario as they can. You know, it will be a devnet, it's letting them test the version 0.12 in a production environment and really do a lot of different stress tests. This is good. Finally, this is good. Ethereum 2.0 needs to scale the network well because if it does not, it's going to lose out to good programs that are starting to actually come together and really perform, like Cardano for one. <laughs> I mean, you're risking iota's getting ready for their main net like ethereum needs to get its act in gear or it risks actually losing out on what made it so special but okay yeah so <laughs> here we go the most secretive bitcoin wallet just moved nearly a billion dollars what this is just fluff it's interesting, but it doesn't actually affect us, like the little people at all. Other than the fact that they moved $933 million and they paid $0.84 cents in fees, which is insane. That's so much cheaper than a traditional bank. Just nuts. So yeah, the address was documented as the richest among non-exchange Bitcoin wallets. And if you account for Huawei and Binance, it's third. So it's a lot of Bitcoin. So they're thinking it might be the Winklevoss twins. Um, there's a couple other people who it might be, but a billion dollars is half a percent of the total Bitcoin. So it's crazy. 
So it was split between two wallets. The first was 5,000 or 45 million dollars and the rest got, you know, 884 as the quote unquote change. So they're keeping an eye on this wallet. No one really knows who owns it or why they're moving it or doing anything. Um, it would be at this point, if I was a real YouTuber, I could have the Unsolved Mysteries music playing in the background. But I don't. Darn. All right. So moving on to the last article, jumping back over to <laughs> old Crypto Potato. This is um, a good example of why cryptocurrencies are superior in some aspects to physical inventory. So coming out of Wuhan, which, you know, it's done a lot for us this year and it just keeps on giving. So this Wuhan King, King Gold jewelry had about 83 tons of gold bars, which it used for loans that turned out to be copper. So yeah, it's received loans for over 20 billion won or 2.8 billion dollars over the past five years. Um, but yeah, they were borrowing against these gold bars that turned out to be gilded copper. Yep, the massive scam came to light back in February. Uh, the Dongguan Trust, referred to as the Chinese Shadow Bank, attempted to liquidate the collateral to cover defaulted debt. Uh, and to its shock, they discovered, hey, it's not actually gold. Um, what's most shocking is that insurance companies agreed to cover it and no one had checked on its authenticity in years. So, and at this point, we don't know, were they always fake? Or did someone who worked there pull off the sneakiest robbery of all time and smuggle one copper bar in a day and out one gold bar a day for potentially years it's in, it, it's insane but obviously this can't happen with bitcoin transactions are verified by the blockchain so you can't double spend you can't counterfeit and this is why cryptocurrencies are so interesting because at this moment you cannot counterfeit Bitcoin. You cannot fake it. You cannot create more than actually exists because if you try to send it to someone else, the network will kick it back and be like, there's no record of this. Where was this mined? Who were the last 6,000 people who owned this Bitcoin? Hmm? 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 We don't know. We're not taking it. So, yeah. But, yeah. All right. Going to be wrapping things up here.